Hi, I'm Connor Svensson, founder and CEO of Web3 Labs, and this is your week in blockchain on Monday, the 1st of March, 2021. Coinbase's IPO gets ever closer, and this week they released their S1 filing in preparation for this event. The S1 form is the standard form submitted to the SEC regulator by a company to register their securities. There's a lot of interesting data points in their S1 form. Some of the highlights include that it shows that they made a 322 million profit last year, that Bitcoin and Ether make up over 56% of the total trading volume on the platform, and that volume got to 193 billion last year. And at the end of last year, the total value of crypto assets on their platform represented 11.1% of the total market capitalization of all crypto assets. The breakdown of those assets between Bitcoin, Ethereum and other assets was 70%, 13 and 13. And then the remainder being just fiat currencies that people held in their trading account. The other interesting thing with the paper was that it outlined some of what were perceived as the, the risks to their business as well. One of these was that if the identification of Satoshi Nakamoto, creator of Bitcoin, emerged, that that could significantly affect the uh, price of Bitcoin. Uh, but other, other concerns raised include the Ethereum 2 network launch timeline and also network congestion on the Ethereum network 2, which we'll be talking about a bit more later. With other corporates, uh, there was the announcement by Square that they had bought 170 million more Bitcoin in addition to the 100 million they purchased last year. And then MicroStrategy as well, they bought another 1 billion of Bitcoins, taking their market cap to over 7.84 billion, over half of which is now in Bitcoin. Tether and Bitfinex, uh, the, the, the Tether stablecoin and Bitfinex, uh, an exchange operator, had to pay a fine of 18.5 million to the New York Attorney General's office and are actually banned from operating in New York. This goes back to something that happened in 2018, where they worked together to conceal a loss of 850 million with Bitfinex uh, and made a full statement about it. Bitfinex had made a loan to a payment processor of 850 million and had liquidity issues. They then borrowed 600 million from Tether, who is their, their sister company, but this information was not made, made public, which is why this whole uh, le legal event happened. In terms of other enterprise news, Bosch have announced that they're going to be working with Fetch.ai on a, launching a blockchain network to support their economy of things this month. So Bosch's economy of things makes up a core part of their longer term business strategy where you, you basically have these decentralized networks which are made up of autonomous economic agents as they call them which combines technologies like ai and 5g to support hyperconnectivity of devices and this is very relevant in the mobility sector to think you know smart cities and linking together uh, cars and buildings and so on and so forth HSBC as well made an announcement that they've started running their R3 infrastructure on Google Cloud. And this ultimately is to decrease onboarding times for their digital vault blockchain platform that they've been running since 2019. The digital vault platform basically digitizes transaction records of private placement assets, including equity, debt and real estate. And it enables uh, global custody clients to access details of the private assets in, in real time instead of having to request uh, these, these documents manually. The key thing, though, with this migration to Google Cloud is that it enables them to onboard new participants on the network in weeks instead of months. And this is a classic problem that you see a lot of the time in enterprises in that they're not able to easily hook up to other enterprises infrastructure and so when you use a platform that's slightly more dynamic such as google cloud or one of the other cloud providers provides a bit more dynamism and flexibility here there's also the announcement of uh, the base ledger protocol being launched by uh, providing unibright this is basically a uh, a, 
a network to support the baseline protocol. Baseline protocol is really a, a middleware for messaging that sits on top of the Ethereum mainnet. However, because of the high costs for transaction fees on the Ethereum mainnet, they've started to think about other ways in which they can address this issue. And so they're looking at uh, launching this, uh, this dedicated network to, to do this. And this brings us back to the tr transaction fee and uh, scaling issues for Ethereum. In the, in the Ethereum landscape, one of the things that's getting a lot of airtime at the moment is what's called EIP-1559. And this is about reducing the transaction fees on the Ethereum network for miners so that, uh, that they end up being paid a more consistent transaction fee. And so for the perspective of users, what this means is that users won't have so much variability in the fees. Yes, the fees are currently expensive and they would stay, expe stay expensive, but it would mean that the, 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 end, the end users at least would know what they're likely to have to to pay to actually get a transaction through the network. The issue with this change, which is EIP stands for uh, Ethereum Improvement Proposal, is that it doesn't have all of the support of the community. Lots of developers support it, but there's miners that don't. So one of the big miners called Sparkpool, who has 24% of the network hash rate, which basically means that they contribute to 24% of the transactions and blocks that get added to the Ethereum network, they're not supportive of it. And so not get it, them not getting over the line is, is a slight issue for the community at present. This doesn't though, as I say, solve the scalability problem, which is where layer two technologies come in. So there's been a lot of activity in the layer two scaling technologies in, in, the, in the past few months because these will address the congestion of the public Ethereum network and things are really starting to heat up. But one of the things that was announced this week was that the VC firm Andreessen Horowitz had invested 25 million in their Optimism network last November. Now, well, what's interesting about the Optimism Network, it was formerly known as the Plasma Network, and the Plasma Network has its roots in a white paper that was written by Vitalik Buterin and Joseph Poon back in 2017. And so having this big name VC, but also it being focused on a scaling solution that was proposed some time ago and, and has you know a lot of thoughts gone into it, so I think it, it certainly shows that this, this could emerge as one of the more a dominant scaling solutions on the Ethereum platform to help address the, the transaction issues. So it'll be it'll be fascinating to see how this evolves. The implication of these these issues with scaling on the Ethereum network um, has has resulted in some protocols actually announcing that they're going to work with other protocols instead. Now we spoke about this last week with what had happened with. Uh, pancake swap emerging and taking on Uniswap, but it running on top of Binance's sidechain, which is Ethereum compatible called Binance Smart Chain. This week, the one inch decentralized exchange aggregator said that they were going to start supporting Binance Smart Chain as well, so that uh, people had a choice of which network they wanted to run on Ethereum or Binance Smart Chain in order to uh, in, in order to actually trade through the platform. The interesting thing but about Binance Smart Chain versus Ethereum is that although Binance Smart Chain is a public network, it only has 21 what are called validator nodes running at any one time, which means it can scale a lot more. The, the DeFi um, publisher, the Defiant, they put out a report which really dives a lot deeper into this and this uh, comparing the Binance Smart Chain and public Ethereum network. So I encourage you to have a read of that if you really want to get across some of the numbers. Other interesting news also comes from Cardano, which um, is back to being the third largest blockchain by its uh, token market capitalization. Uh, after Binance Coin briefly uh, lodged it, dislodged it from that third spot last week. Let's announce what are called Babel fees, which is basically payment of transactions 
for um, fees on the network using user-defined tokens in Cardano. So that, that's that's an interesting innovation insofar as on the Ethereum network, the, the, you need to use the Ether cryptocurrency to pay for transaction fees on the network, even if those transaction fees are to pay for the transfer of a token, say, from one person to another. In Cardano, what they've basically done here is they've said that you can create a token on Cardano and then you can also pay your transaction fees on Cardano using that token. So in effect, the token's a first-class citizen. So it'll be very interesting to see how this evolves over the coming months with their platform. In the world of NFTs, things have continued to hot up, especially in the art world, with the first ever NFT artwork being auctioned by Christie's going on sale. The piece called Every Days, the first 5,000 days by Beeple is currently at 3 million and has a, an, another week or two left to run. However, the same artist Beeple also sold another piece of art called Crossroads on Nifty Gateway, which is an online crypto marketplace for digital art. And this went for over $6 million. So it'll be fascinating to see where the uh, the piece on Christie's gets to. Damien Hirst, the uh, famous British artist, doesn't want to be left out here though. And he's also announced that he's gonna be accepting for the first time ever Bitcoin and Ether for a set of cherry blossom prints he's created. These will be $3,000 each and the number of prints will be dictated by the number of orders that are taken over the next week. And then finally, back to NBA Top Shots, which we've spoken about in the last couple of weeks, the NBA collectible highlights known as Moments, they've generated over 205 million in sales since going live in less than six months ago, with nearly 65% of that processed in the last week. In terms of the crypto market, it took a bit of a beating this week and it's down over 22% down to 1.36 trillion. And the assets locked in DeFi as well, they're down 17, over almost 18% down to 35.23 billion. That's all we have for this week. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast and, 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 and also the Web3 Labs page on YouTube. Links to all items are linked in the show notes and at our website, weekinblockchain.com. We also host a weekly clubhouse room at 12 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. GMT, where we'll be discussing all of these news items. So I encourage you to come along if you want to have a chat. Thanks, and I'll see you next week.